0: Welcome to episode 77 of the Alfa Romeo Driver Podcast, brought to you by the Alpha Mayo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swarbrick, And with me for the first of our profiles of Arock families, I have Jack and Rosie Hodson. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Normally we'd start this by by talking about the the person that we're interviewing's first Alpha, their first experience of the brand. But I think you guys go back a little bit further than your own introduction to, to Alpha. So tell me a little bit about the family history.
1: Our exposure to Alpha goes back... Before we were both born, our dad bought a Giotto a back in 1975. So it's a 1969 model. As far as I know, it wasn't in a good state. He paid a thousand pounds for it back then in 75. But the stories that he's told me is that it, the, the brakes were failing, rust was everywhere. And yeah, it took a minor restoration to get it back on the road. So what kind of state was it in when you first came to know it? So I think I'd seen it about two resprays later and probably several major, mechanical overhauls um, of various parts dotted around the garage. You can find spare axles, sumps, engine heads. Yeah, there's various parts that he's taken on over the years and swapped over just to keep it running. For him, it was very much a driver's car. It was not there to be... A pristine showcase It's basically a car That he wanted to drive Again, good working order But not pristine That wasn't his thing And can you remember The first time you went out In it, both of you?
2: I probably was a baby I mean, I maybe not a baby Because for the back seats Weren't exactly <laughs> it's ideal It's like seats, isn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: I guess <laughs> you can't I wouldn't, really that. <laughs> I wouldn't
2: be surprised If, you know, if we did All go out in it To the coast Or something When I was very young I,
0: I was going to say You often have, you know Family mem- memories Of going out In, in the family alphabet it's a bit trickier in the Spider.
1: The only actual memory I can, I can recall being quite young is I was in the passenger seat, dad was driving, and mum was squished between the uh, boot and the back of the seat as we went to Bromley Pageant uh, one day. So that's a huge car show down here in Bromley. And it's, um, yeah, that's, that's my first genuine memory of the car, of uh, going out in it. But it, yeah, there's possibly we did go out a bit younger than I was then. Uh, but yeah, I can't quite recall. And was that the only Alpha in the family? Well, growing up, we, we actually grew up with Golf GTIs. And they went from a Mark 1 to a Mark 2 in fairly quick succession. And then came the Alphas uh, in the form of a 164. That was a 164-12 valve. That turned into a 164 Cloverleaf. And then came the 164 Super. When we were done with 164s, came the 166. And finally, uh, mum now has the Giulia. Right. So um, yeah, it's always been the four-door saloons. That they've uh, they've kept going over the years.
2: I think you probably missed about you know <laughs> twenty, thirty cars in between.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, there are others, and that's I guess in our lifetime. But if you go back a bit further, Dad had a Sud,
2: mm, couple, I think
1: he had a Julia. Yeah, um, he had a, the the Julia, which was brought back from Milan. Uh, they flew over and drew, drove that back. Um, they ran out of fuel twice, as far <laughs> as I can remember. Once in the abs- in
0: the Julia, not the airplane on the way of it.
1: Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> one one of those uh, running out fuels was in the middle of the night. I think we were carted off to our grandparents for the uh, weekend whilst all this went on, and then yeah, there were all oh, those various one five sixes. I think. Yeah, uh, one of those was yours, Rosie. I think.
2: Uh, eventually, yeah. yeah, that would lead lead on to my my first alpha Anyway, um, I can go into that if you want. Uh, we'll, we'll come come
0: back to that. Yeah, and, and anything else we've missed?
2: The the reason that dad got into alphas in the first place is because he'd seen a duetto in the film The Graduate. I believe that course, was his yeah. his influence into it, and then it just sparked a lifelong love, didn't
0: it? Which is a fantastic and slightly cringeworthy film if you watch
2: it now. <laughs> "Heh <laughs> I think I've seen the Simpsons version
0: of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's it's remarkably faithful from what I remember. Okay, so so that was the the cars. Was there a, a, a club involvement at the time? Were you dragged around to uh, National Alpha Days and and events all over the country as well?
1: Yeah, we were. I think we went to most National Alpha Days, the, all the major events, I'd say. And we spent a lot of time at Brands Hatch watching various series there. One of which was the touring cars. Could have been the season finale. And I just remember Simone being punted off in the uh, 155 and the crowd going crazy about it. I
0: I was there on South Bank watching that that day.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I remember that quite well. And that was the mid '90s. Then, yeah, we so we yeah National for Day was a um, very much a a visit we do every year. And also there were trips to Brooklyn, Goodwood occasionally. Yeah, I can't think of too many others. But we were usually at things like Bromley Pageant. Obviously, that's on our doorstep uh, as one of the major events. And then obviously all the other smaller events that are run within the section of Kent and East Sussex. Uh, so we were involved in uh, a number of those over the years.
0: We talked about the fact that um, family trips in a spider are more problematic. We had lots of, of other alphas. Any good stories of, of family outings in alphas over the years?
2: There's one that springs to mind. I'm not sure if I was with my dad at the time, but... I don't actually know how it was sustained but the duetto got a dent in it I don't know if you remember Jack
1: I think I was the one that put it there
2: yeah yeah, (laughs) it may well have been you now it's uh, coming back to me I don't know if you want to tell that side of the story
1: yeah so I think we're on a a section organized tulip rally so yeah we had a navigator would have been in the uh, the other half and we're yeah driving through uh, the Kent countryside trying not to miss our um, turning point of course a tulip rally is done on mileage and um, you got to incorporate this with an alpha um tachometer so it wasn't easy especially in one that was designed in 1969 so we're um, yeah trying to find our a turning point but um we went through what i can only destry- describe as a tree tunnel and it was it was a bright summer's day, but it was really dark where the trees had uh, blocked out all the light. Coming the other way was a bridal school and we slowed down to an absolute crawl and eventually stopped to uh, let the horses pass. One of the horses did get a bit spooked and started veering sideways into the car. So it didn't seem like a big drama at the time. So we got out of the car, we had a look, couldn't see anything for the life of me, couldn't see anything wrong. And we just, uh, they they gave their apologies and we went on our way. And that was that. We turn up at the uh, finishing point, which is um, a pub um, in m- middle of Kent. Get out of the car, just take a quick look at back of it, back at it as you do. And there's a whacking great dent in the door. It was huge. To this day, I just cannot imagine how I didn't see it. Yeah, it, it troubles me as to how this dent got there. Obviously, it's from a horse's backside. But it yeah, there it was, <laughs> gleaming in the sunlight. To my surprise, Dad wasn't too bothered about this.
2: Yeah, maybe he, uh, maybe he had always wanted to do what he did to get the dent out. Yeah, well, um, okay,
1: you, you tell the story of how the yeah. dent was removed.
2: So I I, I don't know, if maybe he was at a section meet or something, but he somehow got hold of a plunger. Don't know where that came from. Uh, and
0: Somebody just brought it with them to the section <laughs> meet. Yeah, as yeah you, do. you never know when you need
2: one. <laughs> and he, I don't think it really took too much, but he just went at the, the dent with the plunger and it popped back out and it was all like nothing had ever happened.
1: Yeah, it was incredible. These doors are made of thicker steel than they are these days. Yeah. Um, and yeah, somehow, it, and they're not—they're not a simple shape either, are no, they? No, no, not it's at all. Like it's a flat door. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it came out. I think it had a few little blemishes here and there, but it was essentially ninety percent fixed and no loss of paint. Remarkable. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Any other things you can remember? There's one more that springs to mind, but I don't think I can retell it. I don't know if you remember, Jack. When Mum and Dad were coming back from Europe, they're coming through Calais, and I believe the car was. Stripped down to it, like the as much as you can. I don't know if they were going to try and take the car or something. Dad was begging them not to, and they said, "Okay, fine." And they just, do you remember?
1: Yeah, if I remember correctly, the yeah, yeah this is probably back in the seventies, eighties. But yeah, they came back from Europe, and I'm I'm not entirely sure without having a good close look at the spider at how the sort of sections in the boot are made up. But it appeared to the police that there was a, a box uh, welded into the wheel arch. And they may have assumed that this box was filled up with stuff that shouldn't be there, and that they wanted to cut cut holes in it uh, to find out what was inside the chassis or the the body of the car. Um, So yeah, Dad had to probably uh, just plead with them not to go Mm -hmm. any further. And eventually, he got away with it. And uh, well, didn't get away with it. There was nothing done wrong, but
0: (laughs) was allowed to go (laughs) on his way. That's that's your story. Yeah, I'll stick to it.
1: (laughs) But uh, yeah, that was um, half
0: our listeners again. I know there is a box in the
1: book. Yeah. I'd love to see what he means by that. And I might have to go and explore the car. The car, by the way, it li- lives on with my mum. It's under her care in a uh, very much watertight garage uh, at her house. She had it sort of uh, checked over and some suspension and electrics work done a couple of years ago. And uh, every now and again, we take it out for a little drive just to check it starts and runs nicely and stop anything seizing up too much. Uh, yeah it's in good health
2: I don't think I'm uh, strong enough to drive it but I enjoy sitting in the passenger seat
1: <laughs> yeah
0: I drove one for the first I'd never driven a 105 until the Goodwood Revival before last and one of our, our members Chris Whelan very kindly loaned me his duetto
1: for, for the weekend it's hard work yeah the steering's pretty heavy it is and there's a little technique to uh, getting it off the line and
2: I remember having uh, dad asking me to hold the reverse in place while he reversed, and maybe even you did, Jack, as well.
1: Yeah, well, Um, that's never been fixed. Um, That's now now a feature. (laughs)
2: That's a feature, yeah.
1: In April 2020, we organised the Doug Hodgson Memorial Drive. Um, it happened to be on Drive It Day and uh, we organised the Tulip Rally uh, down into Kent and uh, just finished with a with a lunch at a um, historic uh, gardens. I can't remember which one. I think it could have been Hull Park. So we um, we all ventured down to meet at Headcorn Aerodrome uh, where I um, handed out the maps. Um, the map was kindly provided by longtime member Fred Baker and uh, it was a route that he'd done with his motorcycle club some years ago and he could really tell was done on the most Motorcycle Club, given the narrowness of some of the lanes. Um, but anyway, we did it. Uh, we all made it. We got to Hall Park. We had lunch and um, everyone had um, a really good time. And um, yeah, a uh, fond memories of that day. But in particular, on the way back, we were doing fine um, until we got to the part of the M20 where it intersects the M25 and the spider decided it had enough for the day. So it was popping, banging, sparking, and eventually just sort of ground to a halt and we had to just do our best to pull out on a pretty busy section of motorway. We called the recovery service. um, They sent a a truck. But in the meantime, a member of the club uh, of our section from the other side of the motorway spotted us and uh, decided that he would be able to lend us a hand. So he came off at the next exit for him, turned around, double-backed on himself, and yeah, uh, his uh, name was Simon. I'm really grateful to him for his help and uh, trying to get the car going again. He has an S2 Spider, and uh, he knew his way around the engine, but unfortunately the coil had gone, so there's no hope of fixing that at the roadside. But um, yeah, I just thought I'd mention this because he was a very kind member, and it's nice for him to stop and uh, lend a hand. It was uh, this event that prompted my mum to do something more with the spider and get it sort Sorted for a long more long-term storage plan but she uh, put it into auto battaglia and they first of all dealt the electrics and installed the uh one two three ignition system as well as overhauling the suspension as i mentioned but um yeah the car is uh, in much better health now but it was just a, a funny way to end dad's memorial drive that day
0: so just to, to pick up on on rosie's first car I, I i guess the the thing about that kind of passion within a family is the next generation either just is so ingrained with it they go with it or or rebels and does completely the opposite i know i i'm from a family of manchester city supporters so i'm a city supporter my brother supports tottenham because he wasn't quite rebellious enough to support united but there was no way he was going to support the same team that his, his dad did so <laughs> you went that route tell us about your first alpha
2: <laughs> yeah i can go first it's a bit shorter than. Jets, I think. <laughs> so I, my first ever car, I've only had three cars. So my first was a VW Polo. Very faithful, very good for a run around. Um, but eventually my head was turned by the fact that we were swapping cars, I think, within the family. I think Jack was wanting to get rid of his 156 Sport Wagon, which we nicknamed Bluey because it was blue. And dad had ready. And I didn't like driving Bluey after having tried uh, a couple of times. I I don't know why. Didn't like it. So we agreed that he'd take Bluey. So my dad would take Bluey and I would take Freddy. And I had that, I wouldn't say too long (laughs) because the brakes failed on it while I was driving. So that was... um, it, it was just like a classic Alfred experience, I suppose. <laughs> Luckily, I got home safely. And then after that, my parents were like, you must get something much more reliable, something that we're not going to worry about you in. So I am now the proud owner of a Mito that I've had since 2018. Um, it's still going very strong. I've had it since it's new. So it is really lovely. Yeah, I don't think I would look any other way now. And I kind of knew that. I knew that from from when I started driving, I would eventually end up with, with an alpha and yeah,
0: yeah. We'll, we'll we'll come back to the racing later on, but at least that one five six would have prepared you for driving the current one five five ECA having no brakes. True. <laughs> so, Jack, your your oh, history is a little bit longer than that. Yeah, it's
1: not drastically long, but it's yeah, it's a few a few more, I guess. So at what would probably be spring alpha day at Duxford, I think in 2003. I'd recently passed my test. I'd had a, a Peugeot 106, a Golf Mark three, and I was ready to move into the alpha world. I guess um, I was 18 at this, this stage. And we saw a, a 155 at Duxford. Sorry, it wasn't Duxford, it was at Chatham Dockyard, where we're returning to later this year. Uh, so we saw a 155, and Dad said, Well, that would be a fantastic first alpha for you. And I thought, Well, it's pretty big. It's not a doesn't naturally seem a, a kind of a younger person's car to me, but well, by then I was looking on Auto Trader when we got home. And yeah, there were a few for sale. I obviously had to get the insurance quotes back then and discovered that the insurance would actually cost more than the car, which it was it's part of the course. We it was um just a fact that you had to accept, really. Uh, so, yeah, um, about a few weeks later, I think we went to Swindon and we found a 155 Super. as uh, so a 2 liter twin spark and uh, and drove that home. And yeah, that was my first Alpha. And I was a really proud owner of that car. I loved it. Uh, it was um, absolutely fantastic. But a year later, another 155 appeared on one of the Alpha message boards. And this was my first project Alpha. It was a 155 Q4. Concept. Going very cheap. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> going very cheap, and um, it was in yeah in need of quite a lot of work. We had to sort of embark on a mission of getting this thing recommissioned. I didn't even go and see it. I just sent the money and the trailer, <laughs> and it turned up about a week later. On the way down, a wheel fell off. Um, it was on an A-frame. I'm not sure quite how that happened, but anyway, it made it, and um, it sat on the driveway for a, a number of weeks. The previous owner uh, was moving to New Zealand with a new job and it just had to go. So um, yeah, I took it on and started doing it up. And the the main job basically was to put all the top half of the engine back on. Uh, luckily he had got as far as, well, the head gasket had gone, hence the the project that was on. So he'd replaced the head gasket and he bolted the head back on and that's where it stopped. So uh, that's where I took over and all the bar- all the parts I needed were in the boot. And uh, yeah, over a course of a I think it must have been a couple of months. We put it back together, got it MOTed, and that's the car I still have today. And that was back in 2004. Uh, so um, yeah,
0: and that, that that's quite a project to take on because the, the, the Integrale underpinnings are not the not mechanically the simplest setup in the world,
1: and no, not a huge amount of space around them. Or yeah, I did consult the manual several hundred times to, to do this job but it, it did come together quite well things started making sense um as we got through the sort of the box of parts it wouldn't run initially it wouldn't run very well and we had to take it to a specialist in south london that would basically check over the electrics make sure i put all the plugs in the right place and uh, replace the phase sensor and eventually it fired into life And that's when, yeah, I started driving it. And its first major outing was to National Alpha Day that year, 2000 and would have been 2005 by now, I think. So that was quite a big journey to do very shortly after getting it going. The next major drive in that car was to the Nürburgring a month later. This one didn't go so well. I returned, but the car didn't. Basically, where I had routed the power steering pipes uh, to the cooler, they had been rubbing on the exhaust manifold. Where the exhaust manifold got so hot on the Nürburgring, it burned through them. And started dumping a lot of fluid everywhere And I think this is really before the Nürburgring was as popular as it is today And I was lucky enough to get away with not paying any hefty clean-up fines Luckily I had um, international breakdown insurance And they covered me to go out there and get it again a couple of weeks later
0: And obviously it had broken down somewhere other than on the Nürburgring Yes, of
1: course Just
0: just outside, in that that vague area, but not actually on the
1: track Yeah Exactly, yeah. Public car park. And yeah, so they the German dealership did a good job of putting it back together and uh, putting some new pipes in for me for the princely sum of £160, pounds, if I remember correctly. <laughs> it was dead cheap, not what I was expecting. And uh, yeah, we drove it home. It was a, a second little Nürburgring trip.
0: Any, any Nürburgring trips in the, in the Mito, Rosie?
2: No, not
0: yet. <laughs> I'd recommend it, though. I think you could. Well, again, we'll come back to the racing later. But So that was the, the 155, which I think yeah, is a pretty rare car. or it was a pretty rare car when you got it in, uh, in 2005. Very rare now.
1: Yeah, so my neighbor, fellow car enthusiast, happened to be on uh, howmanyleft.com and had a quick search and discovered there are zero registered um, (laughs) with tax. There's a few off the road, probably about 10 or so, maybe more. Um, But yeah, very, very few. Yeah, and i say none running at the moment, including mine. Why is yours not running at the moment? Uh, lack of MOT and a fuel leak, and time. And I guess one of the
0: problems, and, and it brings me on to the next thing I was going to talk to you about, one of the problems with cars of that period now is that there are lots of parts that you can't get. And I think you've come up with a fairly unusual way of solving that problem.
1: Yeah, so I embarked on 3D printing and then discovered that you can print extremely strong material and also flexible material. So in the past year or so, I've been printing new rubber bushes for the gearbox supports made out of really firm material, but it does give and it doesn't, it's not going to snap on us or disintegrate. So that's been a kind of a lifeline to these engines, these cars, because yeah, these parts are just not available. So we've got a gearbox support, we've got an exhaust mount, but also the, what really got me started in 3D printing was Alpha 155 wing mirrors. They are in extreme short supply. And if you can get hold of one, it'll probably be the wrong color to match your car and could have been through its own sort of issues. A mirror for that car is sort of fundamental to its look. And you can put on a Fiat Tipo mirror if you so wish to do so, but it'll just look awful. It
0: fits, but that's about as much as you can say for it. That's all you'd really want.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've had some parts uh, that I happen to have 3D scanned, and now I can 3D print those and refurbish 155 wing mirrors, which has been pretty popular. People do seem to be in need of these parts or at least some sort of service to make theirs functional again. I broke my own mirror a couple of years ago just by standing up from underneath it, bumping into it, and they're so brittle, it just snapped off. <laughs> it's just, um but uh, yeah, one knock and they're gone. So they, yeah, we needed to do something about it. But so
0: that one's not running at the moment. Any, any other alphas in the collection
1: that actually get you anywhere at the moment? I've, I've got I've got three, but one one runs. Uh, that's a Giulietta. Uh, the Giulietta is my daily. It's a 170 horsepower speciale. I absolutely love it. I think it's a fantastic car. And I know you're fond of the Giulietta too. I am. It, but it it really does tick all the boxes. It's been reliable, Touchwood, um, and it's just fun to drive. I'm really impressed with it. The the other car in the stable is a 2001 GTV, the B6 model. It wasn't a million bits. It's just gone down to a thousand bits now. It's um, slowly coming back together.
0: You haven't lost 990,000 bits. You just you just, just know put, really. put some of them together into bigger bits. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Juliette. I mean, that one seventy is nice, and it has the, the huge advantage that it doesn't have the self-destructing fuel injectors that the seventeen fifty has, as I as I know from yeah, I think, uh, person experience.
1: Uh... <laughs> no, it's uh, it's been excellent. It needs to be a reliable daily car, and that's exactly what it is. But it also puts a smile on your face when you drive it. So
0: I know Rosie that Jack is still quite heavily involved in the, the Kent and Sussex section, as your your dad was. Yeah. So you're you're no longer there. Are You involved in your new local section.
2: I'm actually not. I've, I've kept my my toe in the uh, Kent and East Sussex. My mum still lives in Kent, so does Jack. So it's a, a great excuse to come down and go to events. Yeah, I've always enjoyed going to them and getting involved, having chats with people that you see only at the events, but it's always lovely to
0: catch up. And, and any involvement in the new alpha female
2: section? Some, yeah, I'd perhaps like to do a little bit more. Currently, in the midst of planning a wedding, though, so uh, quite busy. Yeah, but that. <laughs> that, that can
0: be fitted into other more important things, <laughs> <so>, like club <laughs> activities.
2: True. No, I'd, I'd like to, to get involved.
0: Yeah. And indeed the racing. So we, 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 we got there eventually. I always have to try hard not to make all of these podcasts about um, the virtual racing because I, I, I probably would do if I could get away with it. How did you get involved in, in that? I know you're both involved. We'll talk to, to Jack again in a minute. But how did you get roped into sim racing?
2: So I had I had explored it maybe six months prior to, to actually getting involved. I think I joined the group and I was sort of looking and I was like, oh, I'm not sure, you know, whether it was for me at the time. And then we went to, I think it's National Alpha Day, the one that was at Mr. Yeah. and you had the truck set up. So Jack and I were both there. I had a go on the sim. I thought, oh, well, I've, I've grown up playing, playing games, video games, racing games in particular, all my life. So it kind of... It fits very well. I enjoyed what I did in in that truck. And then I think Jack and I just talked each other into it. We're like, if you do it, I'll do it, kind of thing. Um, And I originally started using an Xbox controller. So I was an am. amateur with with a controller sort of slight like disadvantage even more um, but it did help to get to grips with yeah the some, sometimes complicated <laughs> setups and, and things like that yeah and I've stuck with it I think i move on to that because everyone's really friendly really helpful it takes a, a bit of time to get your head around it but it's really fun and it's a, a commitment that I, I do like to enjoy to to keep up and practice with Jack sometimes and with others it's been fun some
0: good close racing We uh, you noticed earlier on we're, we're currently Tied on points after after drop yeah. scores in one of the championships, um, but you've had some um, some very close races with your brother, haven't you?
2: Yes, um, you may notice your your uh, listeners won't know that I'm wearing uh, this top that Jack bought me as a sorry for uh, for knocking me off the track a few times, which he didn't need to do.
1: I received a a generous gift for the class win last year. <laughs> And I couldn't spend it on myself, knowing that I'd knocked Rosie off the track at least twice, <laughs> being my fault. Very generous. And uh, yeah, I was uh, pretty gutted about that. So um, yeah, that was my um, my gift. And, and of course,
0: we, we, we separated you, well, mostly, apart from when the, the two backs come together, um, when you got promoted into the into the pros, Jack. She's not far behind you, though. I think there's a good chance she'll be racing with you again, if not in the next season, then certainly sometime soon.
1: Yeah. No, Rosie is a, a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> and yeah. I I immensely enjoy the virtual racing. It's been a real steep learning curve. There's a lot more to it than just turning up and racing. There's, um, you have to practice. You've got to put in a bit of time. Yeah. Get your settings right. And, uh, it's not unachievable. I mean, it's something you can learn to do. And obviously we did learn to do it on, on the go, but the community around it is fantastic like rosie said everyone's very friendly they're supportive and um, if you're stuck they will find a way for you and um yeah i think we've really both enjoyed it and uh yeah and it has resulted in some really close races and
0: any favorite tracks and cars from the two of you from from the last two years nearly
2: oh wow, yeah it's been two years i definitely enjoyed racing with the Julieta that was a very good stable car to you. i think
0: the Julieta might be back at some point
2: That'd be good. (laughs) I I know we rotated through a few in one season. I remember favouring some of those more than others. I think the older, was it 105? That was very tricky to use. Reminds me a lot of the 155 we're using at the moment.
0: (laughs) Yes, although I think the brakes are even worse on the uh, the 105 (laughs) GTA than they are on the the 155. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you've
1: really got to plan your braking zone.
2: I think the 156 was a really good good model to use as right? well
0: the, the extreme yeah
2: yeah, yeah,
0: that's yeah it was, a few people felt that was a little bit too easy to drive but uh, yeah. it was good fun because it was so quick
2: well I liked it
1: <laughs> I think the uh, the Giulietta has been the most forgiving and um, able to sort of rock up at any track and just do a bit of practice and, but not a lot uh, to get on board with it uh, the I'm loving the RSS I guess is the, the equivalent of a Formula 1 car um, I'm not really sure but yeah
0: I think, I think it's more Formula 2-ish than than formula one they do do a, they do a faster. Almost exact replica of a of an F one car, um, which is even more of a beast. But
1: yeah, it, it appears to do about 180 miles an hour, and it feels like it's on rails in some corners. The trouble is, you go from one week of the RSS back into the one five five, and <laughs> it's a completely different experience. Even at the same track, you've got to relearn entirely. Well, it's,
0: it's almost it's almost worse at the same track, isn't it? Because you yeah you know where all your braking points are, and then you get in the one five five, and yeah, they're not there Probably anymore. It in a bit. You need to break a week earlier than you've yeah. been doing in the RSS. So you haven't done a single-seater series, have you, Rosie?
2: I haven't. I, I couldn't commit to racing every week, but it does look a lot of fun. I, I can't imagine the grip <laughs> having used the yeah. uh, by five. It must feel very different.
0: Yeah, we, we were talking – I don't know if you've practised at Jedi yet, but Jack and I were talking earlier about um, about being able to go through some of the corners – flat or or close to flat, mm. um, which just wouldn't be, you, you wouldn't even imagine being able to do that in the 155 because you'd be completely sideways.
2: No.
0: Okay, so we talked a little bit about that. that that's enough. If I, get, if I talk any more about virtual racing, we'll lose all of our listeners. We've talked about the cars you have owned, um, and obviously you've been exposed to pretty much everything Alpha have made in all your years of going to National Alpha Day and at least driven the virtual versions of many of them so I guess two two questions to you both what would you like to have next and money no object what would you like to have
2: I think for me the natural progression would probably be a Julietta, if I'm feeling ambitious with Julia they do look lovely I know our mum absolutely loves hers
0: she not let you borrow hers yet
2: no I've driven it around That's... the driveway <laughs> <laughs> It's a beautiful car, but perhaps a little too too big for what I need at the moment. Or the car that I'd like to own, I've just slipped my mind. So I'll just quickly research if you want to go check.
1: Yeah, that's fine. We'll go to Jack and then we'll come back. Uh, so I guess the the next Alpha I'd like to own, would probably a a Julia QV. That would be the dream as well. But I, I'm realistically, what I love about Julia is I did borrow it once uh, from my mum and drove it to the Lake District and around the Lake District for a few days and absolutely fell in love with it. It's such a smooth ride and it's it's very well balanced. And um, easy to drive as well, so that really made me fall in love with uh, Julias uh, in general. So yeah, that could be the the, the progression uh, on from the Julietta, although you do lose a little bit of um, the sort of practicality of the hatchback of a Julietta. But you know, uh, that's uh, something you have to accept, I guess. A Dream Alpha. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Naturally, I probably say the Julia GTAM. That's a that's a fairly uh, common pipe dream, I think, in the Alpha world. But if we were to go a little bit older, I think it's hard not to love a car like the 8C. It's just fantastically beautiful. Um, it's a car that is sounds as good as it looks, and um, and goes pretty well too. Uh, I think that would be the real dream.
0: So your current is a Lancia, and the Alpha that you like is a Maserati. Maserati,
1: yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good to
0: know. I have to say the thing about the Julia, that people kind of talk about it, but I think they underestimate just how much of a difference it makes. It's just how good the chassis is. So I'm lucky enough to have, have driven the the Giulia GTAM and I've driven Quadrifoglios and Veloches and But the first Giulia I drove, which I had for a couple of days as a press car, was a, a diesel Speciale. And the first couple of days driving around towns and driving on motorways, I was kind of thinking, I'm, I'm not really sure what the fuss is about. It's it, it, you know, perfectly competent, nice place to sit, all the all the things you would normally like about an Alpha, but it's just a bit. And then every two months, I have to drive from Berkshire to Suffolk to Lavenham, where the magazine's printed to sign off the magazine and the last half an hour or so is all tight twisty country lanes and all of a sudden the fact that it had a not particularly powerful diesel engine didn't match anymore because the the kind of chassis came alive and it was just absolutely brilliant fun
1: because it was just it just did what you wanted it to do. I found the base engine the 200 horsepower was actually more than enough uh, to enjoy a drive to the latest back. it was uh, absolutely sufficient yes it is nice to more power now and now and again but it's not doesn't always need to be on tap like that Rosie how, how are you getting on with Google?
2: Yeah uh, Google has answered my question <laughs> this will probably surprise Jack as, a, as a, a dream alpha for me but I just think this this model is just beautiful I've seen it at National Alpha Days and, and wherever else um, it's the Montreal I just think it's so lovely looking in blue. I yeah.
0: think it's beautiful, yeah. And I, I, I'm a bit of an engineering geek, and the, the first the first thing that I noticed on a Montreal that got me really excited was the duct on the bonnet, the, the air intake. And I just looked at it and I thought, it's a car with a duct on. It's awesome. But it's just, yeah, fantastic car.
1: Just remember, they have a relatively complicated injection system, which uh, can sort of rear its ugly head every now and again. But I think there's a few experts now around the world that can sort of keep on top of that and, yeah, service them.
0: I think there are some electrical problems as well. I think somebody once said to me of his Montreal, I've upgraded the electrical system now to the point where it works. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean you, you don't need to drive it do you? you can just stand there and look at it all day absolutely absolutely yeah. gorgeous okay so that's um, future car aspirations any any plans for the rest of the year in terms of places you want to go in in the car rather than honeymoons unless you're going on the honeymoon in your meter any events you're looking forward to for the rest of the year
2: well I'd love to take the meter to America for the honeymoon but don't think that a- no,
0: would be complicated wouldn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, for me, um, I, uh... I can't really currently be on the weddings. So, um, I don't have any events planned yet, but I'm sure there'll be lots coming about. I know that the section we're we're in is very busy, very um, active, so there's always something to to come back for.
0: When, when is the big day? Whisper it. We won't. We avoid gate crashes. But uh,
2: the ninth of April,
0: Easter Sunday, very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So uh, actually, you you only go to America for a week and could be back in time for Spring alphabet Oh, that's very true. But we're going for two. <laughs> okay. Enough,
2: but national. I have got a plan though Just for an aside At the wedding Just to incorporate The, the love The passion that we all have For Alphas within our family I'd like to line up Jack's car My car Mum's car All next to each other mm. With the uh, the ribbons And get some lovely photos In front of that it
1: sounds like I've got to go And wash the car
2: It sounds like I need to <laughs> as well <Yeah. laughs>
0: So is, is there a conversion job To be done here On the other half
2: Oh he He's uh, He can't drive But he has Osmosis, as Osmos has um, say, <laughs> now has a strong appreciation for alphas as well. He always Brilliant. points them out to me when we're driving around. So, yeah. Fantastic.
1: As it should be. <laughs> Jack? Um, for events this year? Yes. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to going back to Duxford. It's been a number of years since uh, the club went there, I think. And the last time was just a beautiful spring day. So yeah, we're really looking forward to that one. And then there's a new event at Brands Hatch this year, the uh, Super Tourers. And obviously the 155 will fit in very nicely there. So we're really looking forward to get it back on the road. That's my target date. I was going to say, so it's your target date. Yeah. Right? Well, i got, yeah. I got target date of Spring Alpha Day for the GTV and the Super Tourers in July for the one five five, And um, yeah, and we'll see what we take to um, Chatham Dockyard for the Southern Alpha Day in September. Um, but they're the, uh, the three main events I'll be uh, going to this year. There is some thought sort of a sort of North European drive uh, in the Julietta uh, uh, just for the, a summer holiday, but that's very early planning stages as yet. But um, yeah, I would love to do that.
0: Can't make that jo- line up with
1: the, um, the Dutch club event in... Oh, Spectacular Sportivo. Yeah. That would be brilliant, yeah. They're really keen on their 155 there as well. So I'd love to take that down. The real dream is to one day take the Duetto back to Milan. Our dad did take it once, possibly twice over the years before we were born. But um, yeah, that would be my dream to take it back down there.
0: Well, you know, know we'd take an article on that because... We have one almost every issue, Yeah,
1: Spider, spider to Italy. <laughs> I was enjoying article. the last one, actually. Yeah, fantastic. was fantastic. Yeah, no,
0: it's, uh, if I, I, I've known people, I don't think I've known anybody who's actually bought a Spider to do that. I've known plenty of people who've said, you know, have owned other Alphas and have said, you know, I'd, I'd really like to buy a 105 Spider and drive it to Italy. Yeah, it's so um, so a natural thing is. to do. It's got, it's got to be done. Yes. Brilliant. Thank you. That's been brilliant. Really enjoyed having you both on and uh, look forward to seeing you uh, maybe at National Anthrop Day. Thanks very much. Thank See you, you there. Thank you. That's all we have time for this week. We'll be back in two weeks' time on Sunday the 9th of April. Yes, that's right. The day of Rosie's wedding. I'm sure they'll stream it live to all the guests, but for everybody else, episode 77 will be available to download from 1.30pm from Google Podcasts, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, the Club's website and everywhere else good podcasts are found. Until then, stay safe.